Hello, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Wrigley Wingmen podcast. Trent Johnson along with me as always, co-host Jacob Wielander. Well, Jacob, we're recording now in the midst of a Cubs hot streak, and it's it's a fun little time that the Cubs have been putting together here in the last week or so. You know, I've been going back and uh, just really quickly like listening to bits and pieces of the last few episodes, and it seems like we've been on a massive roller coaster ride because uh, I think it was it had to have just been four or five weeks ago. It was this part in the show where you introduce it, and then we were saying, "Well, this is ugly. Uh, Cubs are looking bad. I don't know what's going to happen." It's getting and bad, now, everybody. But we did tell them not to panic. I'll say we that. Did. And then now just. Four or five short weeks later, and we have a, what is it at now, 10 and a half, 10? It's 11, even. 11. Heading into tonight, which is Tuesday night, with the uh, quick little two-game set with the Angels. Yes, so I I was telling you earlier, I get on my phone, pull up the MLB app, and look at the standings it, probably 10 times a day just to look at double-digit lead. Not that we haven't seen that before, but I was so scared four weeks ago that we'd never see that again, that now that it's back, it's just makes me feel at ease it's very peaceful yeah and there's only 52 games left for the cubs this season so they they're uh the the games are dwindling jacob it's going to be over before we know it in just a few weeks like you said it seems like just four or five weeks ago we were talking about how everyone was in a panic but four or five weeks from today the cubs are only going to have 20 games left 25 games left when we're recording and you know what makes me feel better is that looking at what the cardinals are doing they had a pretty crazy win last night but the Cardinals have been playing the Reds and the Braves and their record against like their last 10 it's not it's not what they probably hoped for like I was telling somebody earlier I said it might have been you I said the Cardinals probably should be like eight and two in their last 10 games like if you told them hey you're gonna be whatever it is they'd probably be very upset especially that the since the Cubs are doing what they're doing right now which is winning however many in a row Yes, completely agreed. They had those nine games, six against the Reds and three against the Braves, and they lost the first two series. And they would have been staring down the barrel of another series loss had they not sent up seven guys in a row with two outs last night, thanks to the Reds walking and hitting guys. And that that was funny to me to watch our Twitter feed, all the Cubs fans just absolutely exploding that the Reds blew a game. And for one, the Cardinals are so far back at this point with only 50 games left. If I'm a Cardinals fan and I'm being realistic we're shooting for the wild card like the division is out of reach if I'm a Cardinals fan especially with the way that their rotation's been going I just saw yeah they're bringing uh, up their two young their two young guys Reyes and Weaver so and I know Waka's going on the DL has had a very down year but like in the games against where the Cubs will be playing the rest of the way out the Miamis of the world or if they have any left with the Dodgers I think they actually do coming up next week now that I say that or the Rockies even. If I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm being a realist, I think at this point I'd be rooting for the Cubs to knock off those wildcard teams that are hovering around the Cardinals because, again, you just got to get in the playoffs. But with Twitter last night, you would have thought that walk-off against the Reds that the Cardinals have would have gained about 10 games in the standings to make it like a four-game difference instead of 11. It was insane. Yeah, and I always talk about it, about how I never count the Cardinals out until math says they're out. But... I like for them to I win like, the division out. It would take the Cubs collapsing, it would and take the Cardinals a, being the hottest team in baseball the rest of the way, which the Cardinals have done in the past. But even if the Cubs go 500 the rest of the way, which on paper they should be better than 500 the rest of the way, 
the Cardinals have to go in astounding like 37 and 14 or something along those lines. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. At any point in this season, before game one, after the hot start, uh, in the middle of the of the slump right now, if at any point during this season you told me on August 9th the Cubs will be up by 11 games, I'd say, good, I don't care what the circumstances is, I'm fine with that. If that was the beginning of the season, if you would have told me that, I would have been fine. If you would have told me that smack dab in the middle of that hot start the first couple months, I would have been fine. So yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. This is this is a good feeling. Yeah, I, I was telling you last night, if the Cubs ever go on a thirteen game winning streak this season, You've I will been saying be that very happy. But it, this was in a different context. All year on the podcast I've been saying, you know, at some point this season we haven't seen one of those long streaks from the Cubs where they win ten in a row or thirteen of fifteen or even seventeen of twenty, something like that. They they've had mini streaks where they've won maybe four in a row. And then lost two. They obviously had the very hot start. But there was never one of those streaks that you were like, oh, man, they are unbeatable right now. And I think they might be in the midst of one. If they can take business against the Angels and head into this Cardinals series at home, we might be on one of those very, very good streaks that just puts the boot on the Cardinals and Pirates' neck for the division if it's already not there and pretty much coast home i would think you don't want to coast home but you could in a general right. sense and you've been throwing out the number 13 this whole time so if it gets to 13 even if they lose game 14 i'm gonna be uh very impressed yeah i'm like a future teller at that case i have i've been shouting the 13 games all year and of course that number yesterday when i was telling you if they won 13 in a row right now it would mean they swept the cardinals after taking two from the angels right yeah that that, that would be nice. That'd, okay, now I'm about to grill you. I got a bunch of questions I've been compiling. Okay, uh, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Some of them you're going to be able to answer in about five seconds. Some of them might take a little bit longer. First off, do you have any idea what's going on with Tommy Listella? Like, can you, maybe you're seeing something in this that I'm not. This is the most mysterious story, non-baseball Cubs story, I think, in years. I, we, no one knows what's going on. Yeah, it's like the old books or computer games where in the world is carmen san diego right now it's where in the world is tommy la stella they do know where he's at though but he's not necessarily where he should be or where he's supposed to be or right did you have did you happen to see the quotes today from madden and jed i did they were kind of mysterious yeah they uh i'm paraphrasing here because i don't have the the exact quotes in front of me but Pretty much what Madden was saying is, uh, you know, everything's fine in terms of his health. Um, there's no family matters. Uh, and Hoyer said something like, and I wish I could quote him directly, but it was something like, this is much deeper than frustration or something, or the issue is much deeper. It sounded, yeah, very, like, almost like menacing. It's yeah, like, well, I, haven't, I hadn't seen the Jed Hoyer quote. I saw Madden pretty much say, it's on his terms now. We're good with where we are. The ball's in his court right. type now, of thing. But that all... Hoyer comment, I'm going to have to look that up now that you mentioned that because I hadn't seen that one. And that, that does sound very intriguing to say the least. But I'm not it... sure what what the deal is there. I mean, I can see maybe he's just having some some you know quarter life crisis and he doesn't know. And I maybe there was a lot of tension. Maybe he didn't. I'm grasping at straws here. But maybe that demotion, which... 
and his defense was probably unfair, but you have to understand why the Cubs did it. Um, you know, it was either send La Stella down for, you know, a few weeks. He was always going to be back September 1st or, or lose Coglin forever. So I can understand it, and I understand it sucks from his perspective, but I, I, I think this goes beyond him just being, you know, uh, I, he's not a crybaby. I think there really is something else going on that maybe this had to have been a, a strong camel's back situation. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see if any of the facts come out after this because you you just made your points, which can be made. But if it is just a case of I'm mad that they sent me down type of thing, what you said was unfair. But at this point, anybody the Cubs DFA or send yeah. down or make any roster moves, it's it's unfair for anybody really. I mean, Joe yeah. Nathan was only there for a week or two, and he didn't perform poorly by any stretch of the means. But it's just the embarrassment of riches we've been harping on all year. And, and I would things like that are just going to have to happen. But I will say, if it is just a being frustrated that he got sent down, I'm not sure if that's someone from a mental standpoint that I want in the clubhouse during the midst of a playoff run. And, but I again, mean, I could be completely off base in saying that. I'm just speaking in a sense if that is the case. Right. And it, yeah, that's, you wouldn't think that his teammates would take too kindly to that. I mean, and it's, he's a very important player on this team. It's not like he's just some, you know, some, it's not like he's the 25th guy on the team and he's just there to fill a spot. Like he, he has proven that he's been one of the contributors. So, just from a team perspective, like we we need him. We would like him to be there in September. Yeah, it's a mysterious situation. Uh, my next question, if you're ready to move on, is uh, did you see Carlos Zambrano was visiting today? I did see that. I was uh, I work at the TV station in Knoxville for everybody who follows me, and we have a sports reporter there, a sports anchor, and he's also a fellow Cubs fan. And I saw him tweeting and. He was like, I wonder what Carlos Zambrano is doing there. Not that I really care about what he's doing there, but he was just curious. And so I, he actually had a tweet that said, we should put these three guys in a room together and see how it goes over. And it was Tommy LaStella, Araldis Chapman, and Carlos Zambrano. Just, you know, making kind of a, a funny joke type of thing. Well, and do you remember Zambrano speaking of players maybe like possibly retiring remember when Zambrano had that bad start I believe it, it was in Atlanta and he just retired right there like in the clubhouse <laughs> and left and then was back like eight days later and we I think we suspended him if I remember right no the only thing I remember is coming out with a belt whenever oh, yeah. Derek Lee and Chris Young got into it that's the big crazy Zambrano moment I remember aside from the cooler bashings and stuff yeah I love Zambrano but this is my question for you uh one of the reasons I love Zambrano is because I loved watching him hit, and I loved the fact that our pitcher was a, a switch hitting. Like he was pretty decent with the bat. So my question to you is: If Carlos Zambrano was in the home run derby, how many home runs would he hit? Or would he hit? Keep this in mind. This is amazing to me. He is 35 years old right now. It feels like he's been out of baseball for three or four years. He's 35 year old, years old right now. John Lester is 32 years old. That's insane to me. 
it seems like Zambrano should be a lot older than that. Yeah, but I guess you have to remember when he made his debut back in the early to mid two thousands, more the early two thousands, that he was a young pup. So yeah. even though he and kind of like Prince Fielder now, not to get off subject, he retired, or his speculation is that he has to retire right. due to some injuries, and he's only thirty two years old, and it seems like he's been in the league forever. Yeah, that's true. So he was one of so, those young young guys to bust in the league. Big Z was, but if we're going by today's home run derby standards, just one yes. round, the the timed round with one timeout, I would say he'd hit probably eight or nine, seven to nine I, would be my range. I, I would think if he practiced, I I would think he'd he'd still he'd uh, he'd perform admirably. I loved watching him hit. If if I remember right, he's second on the all time Cubs pitcher home run list behind uh ferguson jenkins if i remember right i don't know if that's 100 percent true but i think that is right uh my next question to you i saw this floating around on twitter you might have seen it too uh, i wish i could give credit to whoever started it but i don't know uh who started it, it was, the question was uh let's say you are uh the manager or the gm of a team of a hypothetical cubs team that were going to the playoffs uh who would you rather have as your one and two in the starting rotation. Uh, 2016, Jake Arietta and John Lester, or 2003, Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor? Hmm, that's, uh, that's a good one. I've had a while to think about this, and I'm kind of split. Okay, I think I would go with the 2003 Chicago Heat duo. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm leaning to. And the reason being... It's not necessarily that they have better stuff or they're better pitchers in terms of just throwing to batters than 2016 Lester and Arietta. But in terms of these 2016 guys, this year, although Arietta has, if you look at his numbers, he's still pretty dominant, the walks still very much bother me or make me worry per se. Because in a playoff game, if you get in trouble and you walk, say, two guys in one inning, and then you serve up one bad pitch like he did against the White Sox to Todd Frazier a week or two ago when he yeah. was absolutely dominating the lineup, that can be game over, season over. Yeah. Another thing about Wood and Pryor. And for it, Lester, it's he's good at keeping runners off the base, but what are they going to do when they get on base when he's on the mound? Yeah. Wood and Pryor could both, you know, control that, and they were very, very good in their prime. So I think I would choose 2003 Wooden Pryor over the current Lester Arietta, but there's not a losing answer to the, to this yeah. question. That'd be pretty nice. I just miss it when, I mean, there was, I believe it was 03, where Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor each struck out like an insane amount of players. Like we were just striking guys out left and right. But yeah, maybe that's just more. Uh nostalgia speaking my next question to you is uh prince fielder related uh you were reading my mind um how, how i guess my question is how much does that suck like think about this for a second prince fielder missed 13 games from 2006 to 2013 seven years he missed 13 games that's less than two games a year and then since then in the last three years He's had two neck surgeries, and now it's not like he is retiring. The doctor said you cannot play baseball anymore. Like, yeah. how, what is it with the human body? How does that work? How are you an Iron Man 
for seven years and then it just falls apart just like that that's a very surprising statistic you just gave prince fielder being a first baseman and a bigger man that only 13 games over a seven-year span is absolutely nuts that's almost that's almost unobtainable that is a very that that is iron man yeah for baseball player standards even just having an off day 13 games over seven years like some yeah. of those surely weren't even injuries. It was just, hey, we're giving you a day off type of thing. Like, how many off days do you think Rizzo's had so far this year? I'd say probably about four. That's what I was saying. Just about off four days or five. without injuries. Yeah. So, Fielder, and heck, maybe that's the reason that the neck became an issue later. I'm going to really miss uh, watching Prince Fielder swing a bat. Um, from one non cub to another non cub. Did you see Ichiro's 3,000th hit the other day? Nope, I didn't. I saw that he stole the co-NL player of the week from Kyle Hendricks for having one hit, but whatever. I'm not on I'm not on a soapbox or anything over here, but if you look yeah. at the stats, I don't know how you can share it with a dude who went 2-0 and and pitched like 16 innings and only gave up one run with a whip of .8, but you get yeah. one hit. I mean, why can't you just give him player of the decade for all those hits? It was just one or two hits this week, and they're going to share the player of the week? At least, at least they shared it. At least, at least it wasn't just all Ichiro. Uh, my question to you is: Ichiro got his three thousandth hit. One, can you name the only Cub with three thousand hits without looking it up? Here's a hint: he was a noted racist. <laughs> can I have an era? Um, like eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. I don't think I can. I don't blame you. It's Cap Anson. Cap Anson. That was right on the tip of my tongue with Hack Wilson and uh, the pitcher three-finger Mordecai Brown. <laughs> he, according to what I'm looking at right now, he had 3,011 hits. Uh, I believe that's just hits he had with the Cubs. Now, uh, real quick, can you name how many of the top ten can you name all-time hits leaders as Cubs? So, for example, uh, um, you know, someone like Rafi Palmiro is only going to have like 100. So it's hits they had with the Cubs. Can you name how many of the top 10? I think you can name all of them except for maybe two or three if I gave you enough time. I don't know. It would take me a while, but I'd say Sosa, Sandberg, Grace are probably in the top three. Uh, They're in the top 10, yes. Our check, top check, 10, check. yeah. So three. And then you got Mr. Cub in there, so there's four. Check. Would uh, Dawson be in there, or did he play long enough to make top 10? Uh, he did not make top ten, but that's a good guess. Okay, Aramis Ramirez, I'm guessing, is in there. Uh, he's not in the top ten, but that was going to be my next question. Can you name the uh, active player in the MLB with the most hits as the Cubs? And that is the answer. Uh, Aramis Ramirez had uh, 1,246 with the Cubs. Hmm. Okay, okay. So I really don't know who I've really guessed at this point, but I'll just uh, go with having four of the ten. To not not take up too much time. Yep, I'll read them really quickly. Cap Anson, Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Rhino, uh, Mark Grace, uh, Ron Santo, uh, Jimmy Ryan, who I I had never heard of Jimmy Ryan. I had to look him up. Uh, Sammy Sosa and Phil Cavaretta. Uh, That's not bad. I would have got all of them except Cavaretta. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, Next, uh, what do you think about Tim Tebow? And if the Cubs signed him tomorrow, what would you say to uh, 
<laughs> to the Cubs fans. All right, so we'll preface this by telling all our listeners out there, if you haven't been paying attention or watching ESPN, because I'm sure they've been talking about it for the last <laughs> 17 hours. Bit. They're probably like, the Tim Tebow baseball special. <laughs> Anyways, Tim Tebow is giving up his dream of making it back to the NFL, and he says he's going to pursue a career in professional baseball, and he's hosting a workout for all 30 MLB teams. I'm not sure what position he's going to play or try out for. I also don't know. I would. I mean, he was a quarterback, so he can throw hard, but he's also very athletic, so I would guess he's going for a corner outfield spot. That makes sense. And, he's, and he's left-handed, so he can't uh, play the infield, really, when you're left-handed, except unless you're going to play first. He has the uh, very prestigious Gary Sheffield endorsement. Did you hear what Gary Sheffield said? No, I did not. He said... Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Mark my words, he'll be in the league in two years. Oh so boy, this guy can hit. I and if saw... Gary Sheffield says you can hit, you have it's it's just the yellow brick road. Well, did you like, see you what his it. average was his junior year of high school? Uh, I'm guessing really good. It was 494. Yeah, that's not bad. So he almost hit 500 in high school. I did see a video of him swinging the bat. And the amateur hitting coaches I saw think his stance is too wide to start out with, but I mean he can he can crush it. I mean he was probably hitting not not very fast, but I mean, the ball off the bat had that sound. You know that sound that I'm talking yeah. about. But if There's... the Cubs signed him, I I wouldn't really care. Like I wouldn't be for it or against it. I honestly don't think they would just because they're smart enough to know that that comes with a media circus yeah there would be a circus i mean over by you and what is it kodak tennessee there'd be the it'd be like uh like the super bowl down there if he made it and was playing a game with the smokies some guys i swear are just so athletic that they could probably play in like he could probably just pick up a bat and probably play in single a he could probably go bowling and probably like probably take him like 20 games to get a 300 some guys i just think are just wired that way um let's see the last thing i want to talk to you about you've been watching the olympics a little bit not too much why what do you got going over there well i'm just curious there's been a lot of talk about uh whether uh baseball and softball for that matter should be in the olympics uh what do you think should it be an olympic sport i look at the olympics and there's so many sports using that term kind of loosely (laughs) there's so many events that i think americans don't even really view as sports they view i think they view some of these things almost as extracurricular activities like air rifle shooting yeah like it there's some of this stuff in here that is just it's so bizarre i haven't even ever seen it before yeah I didn't my... even know we could field a team. Like, in America, when you have all the mainstream sports, how many people are playing field hockey, which is a sport. I'm going to say that's a sport, but I don't even know. How do you get involved in field hockey as an American? I was telling my dad the other day, I said, like, if I have a kid, I'm just going to, from day one, I'm going to teach that kid to, like, uh, I don't know, shoot air rifles or ride a horse or something. You're going to be the best air rifle shooter. You're going to be really good at it, and you're going to go to the Olympics, and then I'm going to get to hold a medal. But the thing with baseball is, and you can kind of make this argument for a lot of these sports, baseball is just not a sport that lends itself well to 
to single elimination kind of tournaments. The World Baseball Classic is cool. It's cooler when Cubs players aren't playing in it, and I don't have to worry about them getting hurt. It's cool, but that's just not a. It's just not a sport that you can just play once or twice and then see who's the better team. There's a reason we have seven games in the World Series. It's not like, um, you know, football or something like that. Now you can make that argument with, you know, with something like archery. It'd say, well, yeah, but if this person, you know, if they would have played each other ten times, it would have been. Uh, five wins on each side but to me just having a baseball game the olympics it seems like like playing one set of tennis or like five holes of golf it's just like you're never there's there's too much randomness a starting pitcher could could have a bad day and completely uh humiliate his entire country it just doesn't seem like it would work now don't get me wrong if it was in the olympics it'd be cool but i just don't think that that's the sport where you can really see who's it's the best. It's not at conducive of the timeline that the Olympics are on, right? And why is there no cricket in the Olympics? The same well, way I, there's no the same reason there's no baseball, Jacob. There's plenty of countries. A, a wicketeer could go embarrass his whole country. Isn't that what they're called? Wickets. There's bowlers. Yeah. Yeah. So the wicketeers. That's what they're called in my book. The wicketeers. Yep. Well. Uh. I guess. I mean, it's just, it'd be cool to have him in the Olympics, but uh, I don't know. Oh, real quick. I am I know I said that last question was the last one, but I'm thinking of other stuff now. What do you, what do you think about A-Rod? I know, I know a lot of these questions have not <laughs> anything to do with the Cubs, but I'm just curious now. I want to know what you think about A-Rod pretty much saying, listen, I'm going to retire, not at the end of the season. I don't, but like on Thursday, like here in a few days, and then he's going to retire stay a Yankee because he still is signed as a Yankee next year, but his position will be, um, uh, it's like special advisor or something like that. And in his words, he said something like, I'm pretty much going to tell the players, uh, not to do what I did. (laughs) And okay, I'll, I'll tie this back to the Cubs. And what do you think that means? And what do you think a rod's legacy means for Sammy Sosa? Okay. Okay. I don't think it means anything for Sosa's legacy because he hasn't apologized yet, Jacob. Sammy, what are you doing? Yeah, okay, anyways, but A-Rod, there's so many different... He's one of the most mysterious... We've already said this earlier, but he's one of the most mysterious players of our time, I feel like. There's so much known about him, but I feel like there's just as much unknown into his personality. There have been so many instances of him appearing to be the just biggest jerk. Do you remember that story? And I'm I'm forgetting the details, but it was someone's house in Miami and he like I almost don't want to say this cuz it sounds too like if I'm wrong, I'm going to sound like a real jerk. I'm pretty sure he like peed on the walls or something. <laughs> Is this ringing any bells? No. Okay, I I want someone to look this up because I might look it up right now because if it's not true, then I have to apologize. Yeah, well, it's I was Stephen A. I can't believe I'm mentioning him on here again. After That's twice. The, the uh, Jake Arrieta stuff. But he was talking about how A-Rod will never get voted into the Hall of Fame because he was cheating or whatever. And then he went on two minutes later, I joke you not, he was talking about how 
the Barry Bonds is completely different because the only reason Barry Bonds cheated is because he felt like he was getting shorted from his abilities oh, compared gosh. to everyone else. So it was okay for Barry Bonds to cheat, according to Stephen A., because he just felt it was in his right mind that he's allowed to cheat because everyone else was doing it and Barry Bonds was the better player to begin with. So Barry Bonds had to do it to get that title back of being better than the people who were cheating. Can you believe that? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Also, I want you to look at your phone and see if you have the picture I just uh, I, sent you. I do. Is that? Uh, it's a picture of. It appears to be David Ortiz on a yes, bobblehead. Yes, it is with David Ortiz. Is that commemorating his famous speech? Um, no, but they were giving those away at the Red Sox game tonight, and they had to pull them because they were so bad. They, they aren't giving that away <laughs> any longer. They got this shipment of bobbleheads, and they said these are horrible. We're not giving them out. It, it looks a lot like Joe Boo from uh, Major League. <laughs> so that's we're going to have to leave on that, Jacob. We talked more about the Yankees and Red Sox here in the last few minutes than the Cubs. So I'm people sorry. have probably been tuned out since like minute 17. But... Well, real quick, let me add one more non-coming thing. Look up A-Rod peeing on his cousin's floor. It's a real thing. Okay. You've, ha- you've heard it here, folks. Jacob has no apologizing to do in this episode. This was also episode 20, Jacob, so we've made it 20 oh, weeks. Yeah. It's almost half a, half a year in six more weeks. And in six more weeks, the Cubs' regular season will almost be over. So there's that. That should be exciting. Keep that in mind. want to thank everybody again for listening. As always, hit us up on the email, WrigleyWingmen at gmail.com. Tweet us at WrigleyWingmen. Send us questions, comments, concerns, topics to talk about, or about A-Rod and his cousin's floor. We, we'll, uh, we'll entertain it, and we'll see where we can go from there. So Trent Johnson and Jacob Wielander from the Wrigley Wee Men. And as always, go Cubbies. Go Cubbies.